Okay, hello everybody. This is the Bible study group um, so of Mercy Mission Ministries. So what we're doing today, we're doing session eight. Session eight, and we're still on John's Gospel. And we're going to be looking at John chapter six from verse one to verse 40. And um, the title of today's uh, Bible study, I've uh, titled it, Jesus Christ, the bread that gives life, life everlasting. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's, um, let's start. I'll read the, the chapter from verse, I'll read from verse one to maybe verse, um, verse 13. Okay, so do you want to please uh, mute your audios? You know, we record this, so too much noise will not be at the background. Okay, thank you. Right, after these things, uh, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on, on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he, dis he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples and to those and, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the, the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the with the fragments of the five barley loaves with the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Okay. Thank you, Lord. So this scripture we have just read, is everybody hearing me? Yes. Okay. All right. So in this scripture we have just read, you know, we see one of those events which created a great sensation among the Jews even to such an extent that those who witnessed it wanted to proclaim Jesus um, king. So let's read that side which they wanted to proclaim him king. So we stopped at verse 13. Let's carry on and read to verse um, to where they wanted to proclaim him king. 
So then, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountains by himself alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. So as I was saying, in this scripture, we see one of those events which created a great sensation among the Jews, even to such an extent that those who witnessed it wanted to proclaim Jesus king there and then. This forced um, Jesus to withdraw from their midst and go into the mountain by himself. If you really think about it, you know, the, the multiplication of loaf of bread and the fish to feed the 5,000 was not such a big deal for Jesus, considering that he is the Lord and creator of heaven and earth itself. So, but for the people around him, it certainly was a miracle that clearly proved his divine deity and might. However, for the Jews, they did not see the spiritual side of this miracle. All they saw was their material interest. Since after witnessing this miracle, they wanted to declare um, Jesus king. Jesus had to withdraw from them for, first of all, that was not the purpose of his, uh, of his life here on earth. You know, and beside his time for being lifted up had not yet, you know, come. You know, and his disciples did not understand this, um, his expression of being lifted up until his crucifixion, resurrection and ascension. You know, and this fulfilled the spiritual meaning of being lifted up. Although in Jesus's time on earth, the Jews and the people listening to his teaching took his teaching, you know, in the literal sense. They took his teaching in the literal sense. The same is still happening today. Jesus told us in John um, chapter 6, verse 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Everything Jesus said and thought had the spiritual meaning. It had the spiritual meaning. The multiplication of the loaves of bread and the five fish had the spiritual meaning. Jesus went up to the mountain and when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got in the boat and went over the sea towards them, Capernaum. As they were, you know, um, rowing, a, girl, uh, you know, uh, a thunderstorm swept upon them. Satan can use the natural forces to work against us. So as they were struggling against this girl, this girl storm, when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. In, Matthew, in Matthew's account of this incident, when Jesus told his um, disciples that it was him, that they should not be afraid, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down and out of the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. 
he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This is uh, Matthew um, chapter 14, verse 28 to 32. When Peter walked out of that boat, what he, you know, he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. He had his eyes fixed on Jesus and his faith level was high. His faith level was high. But when his five senses, you know, when his five senses decided to notice his environment, he took his focus of Jesus. He noticed the wind. He felt the wind. He saw the storm and his human reasoning, his human reasoning kicked in. You know, he probably asked himself, what in the world am I doing, Peter, walking on water? <laughs> walking on water, you know, and this is what happens to us. There's, there's a time when we will have our faith level will be so high, especially if we have been praying for something and we have our faith level so high. And then something will happen. Let's say, for example, you know, if you're praying for a situation, Maybe you're praying for a job, you're praying for uh, your health or, you know, when you first start praying, you are really up there with your faith level. But suddenly something will happen, something will happen. And then you start wondering, you start looking at the um, condition around you, you start looking at your circumstances, you start, um, you know, thinking to yourself, is this really going to happen, you know? Is this really, you know, uh, uh, am I going to really get this? Is God going to answer this, my prayer? You know, we start questioning ourselves. And the thing, the problem is once we have engaged our reasoning faculties, our reason reasons us out of faith. That's the problem. Just like what happened to Peter. Peter started reasoning. How, how can I be walking on water? How can I walk on water? Okay. And then his senses came back in and he started panicking. And that's why he started to sink. He started to sink because he engaged his physical senses. So his faith level went down. The Bible has made it clear to us that the righteous do not live by sight, but by faith. Okay. So no matter what is going on around you, no matter the storm you are going through, keep your eyes both physical and your spiritual eyes focused on Jesus, focused on Jesus and his promises in his word. He will prevent the storms of this world from devouring you. We will have storms. Storms help us to draw closer to Jesus. But when we remove our, um, our focus from Jesus, the storm will devour us. The storm will truly, you know, pull us down. So this is why it is important for you to always focus on the promises God has made to you, even if it means you declaring those promises to yourself every day. Every day you put it in front of your 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 face, in front of your mind when you're, you know, when you're praying because if God have given you a prophecy Yes, prophecy will come to pass, but prophecy needs to be worked. 
You need to work that prophecy. And the way you work that prophecy is by using it as a prayer point to pray. Because if you just receive um, a prophetic um, you know, utterance and it resonates with what God has been saying to you in your own private time, in your own private um, prayer closet, that prophecy resonates with you. Then you take it, you say, yes, Lord, this is a confirmation of what you've been saying to me. Therefore, I am going to tarry with this prophecy. I am going to use it as a prayer point and I will pray it and pray it and pray it and pray it until I see the physical manifestation of the thing that you have promised me. Okay. But the problem is sometimes we will receive this promise, we'll receive this prophecy and we just let it be. And while you are letting it be, the devil is stealing it from you. That's why he's a thief. He will come and he will steal that prophecy from you because you have not kept that prophecy in the forefront of your mind and in the forefront of your heart, okay? So as we go back to the, um, the scripture we just read, it says the next day when the crowd he fed the previous day noticed that Jesus and his disciples were no longer with them, they also got into their boat and they followed them to the other side. When they got there, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? Then Jesus said, you know, they, they saw Jesus' disciple get in the boat the previous evening, but they did not see Jesus get in the boat with them. So this is how Jesus responded to them in verse 26. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the, mir the miraculous sign. What Jesus said to these Jews is exactly what he is also saying to us today. Some people, and I will go to the extreme and say majority of people who come to Jesus today, they come because they have been told he can provide what they need to make this physical life better. Okay, so he can provide them with jobs, financial blessing, good marriages, etc., etc. What Jesus advised the Jews in those days is exactly what he is also advising us today, which is in verse, 20, um, verse 27 says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, that is material things. Spend your energy seeking the internal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So what is Jesus saying here? What Jesus is saying is, is um, you know, we, we are lost souls. We are lost souls who have wandered away from our Father who created us due to our wickedness, pride, and exaltation. Okay, so he, you know, this is what God calls a sin. We are sinners and we are lost souls. So as spirit souls, we are trapped in this physical body called flesh. We are imprisoned in a physical world, which is our reality for now until we can be salvaged, redeemed and set free. Okay. So from this um, illusion we call our reality, God the Father has given him, Jesus, the authority to come and set us free. So we can once again regain that internal life we once had with the Father. This is what we should spend our energy pursuing, not concerning ourselves 
with perishable material things. Perishable material things. So remember in the book of uh, Jeremiah, God asked, told Jeremiah that I knew you before I created you in your mother's womb. So what God is saying and what Jesus is referring to is that we were originally with God in heaven. Our spirit, our soul was originally with God in the realms of the spirit. But because of sin, because of sin, he then created flesh for us. This, this our flesh is a prison that is holding us until God sends a redeemer to redeem us, a savior to save us. So this is what Jesus is saying. He said, don't focus on the things that are perishable. Like, you know, the material things we keep uh, acquiring for ourselves. Those things are not important. The most important thing is you should pursue the spiritual things, the internal life that he has come to give us. So in verse, in verse um, 28, the people said to Jesus, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And in verse 9, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Okay. So in verse 30, they replied, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, <laughs> you see how people have short memory. The previous day, Jesus fed them, fed 5,000 of them with five barley loaves and two fish. He healed the sick and diseased, delivered those who are demon possessed. And they are still asking him to show them a miraculous sign before they will believe in him. You know, in verse 31, they continue to stress for their, for their miraculous signs by going back to the past in the days of Moses. Even in those days, the people still did not believe despite all the signs and the wonders the Lord did through Moses. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 31, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and gives life to the world. You see how spiritually blind the people were and still are. Jesus was talking about the bread that gives eternal life. Bread that is sent to feed their dead spirit that is dead to God and revive it back to that spiritual life it had before the fall of Adam. But all they are focusing on is their physical stomach, the bread that will fill their physical stomach so they will not be physically hungry anymore. Nothing has changed. People are more focused with the physical things of this world, the physical, their physical stomach, how to feed their hunger than with their spiritual stomach, you know, spiritual hunger. What did Jesus say in his beatitude? In Matthew chapter five, verse six, I will read it. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now going back to John chapter six, verse 34, where the people are still thinking 
Jesus have come to give them physical bread for their physical hunger. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. In verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. In his reply here, we see that the hunger and thirst he talked about in his beatitude is the hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's righteousness. He is the bread of life that have come from heaven to give us and show us the righteousness of God. Okay. So as the Lord continued his, um, this conversation with the people, you can see, you know, you can see the people had no idea of what Jesus was talking about. They have no idea and nothing has changed. People are more spiritually blind than they were in Jesus's days. Even now, majority of people who call themselves Christians have no idea about what this religion called Christianity is, all, is really all about. And they have no idea. Okay, so Jesus said a very interesting thing from verse um, 37 to verse 40. Verse 37, he said, all that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Okay, so what is Jesus saying here is if left of our own volition to come to Jesus, that will not happen. Okay, so if, if, uh, if the father is not the one drawing our spirit to Jesus, we will not have the mindset to seek Jesus, to come, to see Jesus, to be born again, you know, to receive that righteousness of God. We will not come. We will not come. So what Jesus is saying here is those who God have drawn to him, that they will come to him. Okay. They will come to him. So, you know, so people, how, how, how does the, um, the father draw people to Jesus? People start seeking God when there is no other option left for them. They have, you know, they have hit a brick wall. You know, their life, they don't know where their life is going anymore. They don't know where their life is going anymore. What they were using before to make life meaningful is no longer working. So they start to seek God to the solution to their problems. Okay. To the solution to their problem. Don't forget the Bible have already told us that eternity is written in everybody's heart. Eternity is written in everybody's heart. No matter how much you deny the existence of God, we all know that there is something that created us and that thing has given us life. That thing has given us life. So when we start seeking God with a sincere heart, that will be when God himself will draw us to Jesus. That is what Jesus is saying. That it is when, when we have come to the end of our tethers. We have no solution to our problem. You know, it's either, you know, this is where people will start getting this, um, you know, suicidal idealization. Because they have come to the end of their tether. They don't know what to do anymore. And this is when they'll start crying out. If there's a God out there, you need to come to my help. Okay. Because they're desperate now. They're desperate for solution to their issues. If not, their life is no longer worth living. That's what it means. Their life is no longer worth living. If they cannot find that God that can help them, then there's no point carrying on with life. 
There's no point. So this is what Jesus is saying. When it is God that draws us. So when we start seeking God with all our hearts, because we have no other option left for our problems, this is when God would then draw our spirit to come to Jesus. And this is when, when people start seeking, because remember, God sees our hearts. He sees the desperation of our soul. He sees it. And when he sees that we are now really desperate for him, he will then draw us to Jesus. He will then draw us to Jesus. So in verse 36, Jesus is saying to the people, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. No amount of miraculous signs will make you believe. In verse 37, he then said, all that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Okay. So he went on to say in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39 tells us, this is the will of the father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Again, in verse 40, another will of the father, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So what is Jesus saying to these people here as well as to us? What he's saying is that he has an assignment from the father. And that assignment that is to bring his children back to him, is to bring those lost souls back to him. And what Jesus is saying is those that the father has brought to him, Jesus, he will not reject them. He will not reject them. Okay. And again, he's saying is Although these people have seen him and seen the miracles he has performed, they have seen him and they've seen the miracles he has performed. Unless the father brings them to him, they will not come to him. That's what Jesus is saying. So what it means is, is God that draws our spirit to Jesus. Is God that helps us to become born again believers. Okay. So, so what Jesus is saying to these uh, people, it doesn't matter whether you believe in me or not. It is the father that draws people to me and the people he brings to me, I will not reject them. I will not reject them. And this is really what happened. So after, after his crucifixion and resurrection, what Jesus is saying, I am going to lift their soul and soul and their spirit from this dark physical world that have imprisoned their spirit and soul in matter. It is my father's will for me to give them everlasting life. Okay. So it is God's will for those who come to Jesus to have everlasting life. And what does everlasting life actually mean? You know, a lot of people think that everlasting life is when you die and then you go to heaven. That is when you have everlasting life. Let's have a look at, I think is, um, I think is uh, Romans. Let's have a look if I can find it. Anyway, there's a scripture in, in, um, in Romans. I'm not sure whether it's Romans 6 or chapter um, 8, where the scripture says that ever, everlasting life is when 
the spirit and the soul have received the spirit of God and what you have received from your spirit have not gone into your soul and your body. And now your body has become immortal. You know, that is immortality have now been given to you. That means you have overcome death. So death has been defeated. So this is what everlasting life actually means. It means you, we can actually have everlasting life here on this earth, in this our physical body, while we're still here. Okay. So what that means is once you have overcome the, your soulish, uh, your flesh desire to sin, and you have been led by the spirit of God, you have now become the sons of God. You have overcome death itself because death is, is, is sin that draws death to our body. And when death comes, it comes with diseases. It comes with sicknesses. It comes with destruction, okay, with accidents and things like that. The purpose of death is to destroy this physical body, is to destroy this physical body. So if you have overcome death because you are a son of God that has been led by the spirit of God. You, you, you have overcome sin in short. That's what it means. You have overcome sin and the temptation that the enemy draws your way. Once you have overcome that, this is what the scripture says. Oh, death, where is your sting? Okay. Where is your sting? You know, the sting of death is sin. If you have overcome sin, you are living in the glory of God. You are being led by the spirit of God. You are not, you're not, you know, you're not succumbing to the temptations of the devil to sin. You, you, you know, sin is so repulsive where you are that you don't even, even with people who are sinful, you don't even want to be in their presence. That's how repulsive, you know, sin is to you. And constantly you're living in the presence of God. Then that means you have overcome death. And that means you have now become immortal. That is, death cannot kill you. If you want to, you know, you, you can leave your body and travel to heaven. Or you can decide to stay there and then your body will be buried. Or you can decide to come back into your physical body. Okay. So this is what happened with the apostles, with, with Paul and Peter. It was when they decided their assignment has been finished on this earth. That is when they allowed the Roman soldiers to kill them. Remember, Paul, he had, you know, how many times was he stoned? And he, he was dead, but he came back to his body because he had that ability to come back to his body and continued his uh, assignment because his assignment has not been finished. How many times was he shipwrecked? Up to three times. He, he drowned and yet he came back to his body, okay? So this is what immortality is about. And this is what Jesus has come to give us, everlasting life, everlasting life. That's what everlasting life is, okay? So what Jesus is saying is, it is my father's will for me to give them everlasting life. So whoever sees me and believes in me will have everlasting life, okay? So what does he mean by whoever sees me? and believes in me, okay? What I've come to understand is there is a difference in faith between those who have seen Jesus in a vision or in a dream to the faith of those 
who have read the scriptures and believe what they have read. The faith of Jesus' disciples became solid and unshakable after his resurrection when he appeared to them. Okay, when he appeared to them. This was the reason they were prepared to lay their lives down for him. So Jesus continued to appear to his believers, even to this day. Even to this day, Jesus is appearing to his believers. Those are truly, those who truly hunger for him in their heart. He is appearing to them in dreams. He's appearing to them in visions. Okay. Those who are hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. This is what he meant in his beatitude. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's righteousness. He is the righteousness of God. So those who are hungering for the righteousness of God, that is Jesus. Jesus is the righteousness of God. He took our sins and he gave us his righteousness because he said it was a righteous lamb. He had no sin in him. The, 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 the purpose of Jesus's life on this earth is to demonstrate to us how we can live, you know, in the presence of God, obey the Father and be righteous in his sight. He came is as, a, as a demonstration to us, not just to die for our sin. Yes, that was the major part. He died in order for the, the obstacle that was stopping us from having a relationship with God can be removed. And once that obstacle has been removed, we can now live in the glory of God. We can now have that relationship our spirit had with God when we were still in heaven as a spirit and not yet being born. And when, you know, the same relationship he had with Adam before the fall, we can actually have that on this earth. Okay. So, our daily prayers should be, Lord, show yourself to me. Because he says, those who have seen me. And there is a difference between seeing the Lord in a vision or in a dream than just reading the scriptures and just believing without seeing. I know what I'm talking about because Jesus appears to me. I see him. I've, the first time I saw him was in a vision, in a church. He appeared to me. And said, I did this for you. He was hanging on a cross. And he said, I did this for you. That was when I truly believed. That was when I truly believed. I told you, I tell you, you know. So that was my, my faith level became so high. And it's almost 21 years ago. And it has not diminished. Okay. It has not diminished. And this is what he's asking for all of us. Pray. As I said, our daily prayers should be, Lord, show yourself to me. I hunger and thirst for you. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. This, is, should, this, this should be our daily prayer. If you're truly thirsty and hungry for him. That's what he's saying. He will fill those who are thirsty and hungry for him. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Did, did, Amen. did anybody, did you understand? Did you get anything from that? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So any questions? Anybody wants to ask any question? I want to, um, let me um, stop the recording now and then we can discuss. Huh?